Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a corker, and I love film. As Albert Hubbard once said, God will not look you over for medals, degrees or diplomas, but for scars. But he will want to know if you've watched the Before Sunrise trilogy in full and he will be expecting your hot takes on each of the movies. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you, Albert. Every week I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Sharon Stone and even Yed Clambles. But this week it's the brilliant award-winning comedian and taskmasterer John Kearns. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get an extra 20 minutes of chat with John. We laugh a lot. We talk about a secret. We do openings and endings of films. You get the whole episode uncut and ad-free and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, John Kearns, what a guy. He's an award-winning comedian. He's lovely. He's brilliant. You've seen him on Taskmaster. You've seen him on other things with Harry Hill. He's about to head off on tour with his new show, and you absolutely simply must go. We recorded this on Zoom a few weeks ago. He's so good to talk to. I loved it, and I really think you're going to love it. That's it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 231 of Films to be Buried With. And welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a hero, a legend, a once-in-a-lifetime, two-time Edinburgh comedy winner. He won The Newcomer, then he came back the next year and won the main prize. He hit out all the competition. Other comics were standing around, minding their own business, just trying their hardest. He came in, wallop, get out of my way. Wallop, this is mine, get out of my way. He killed. There were 40 comedians you've no longer heard of because this man has bullied and intimidated them out of the industry. He's a taskmaster. He's a Harry Hill helper. And he is one of the great men in London living today. Please welcome to the show, the one and only, it's John Kearns! Ridiculous. <laughs> Completely ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's lovely to win awards, but, um, well, as you know, the people that you, uh, I don't want to use the word beat even, but, you know. You battered the them. People that, the people, yes. You battered The people that I did. 
But the people that you're nominated with, you know, it's yeah. a who's who. People have heard mm. of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I very much <laughs> People are like, oh, you won that? Yeah, yeah, I won that. Right. Who else got nominated? Uh, Ramesh Dragonation. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. I think he, I don't think he'd swap with you. I don't think he'd swap with you now. No. Uh, James A. Gasser. Okay. Don't. I with respect. Don't think he'd swap with you now. No, no. I've I've followed my own path. <laughs> Genuine question. I don't think we've ever spoken to you about, but I've always thought. I think comedy of all the awards to win, because I think it applies to everything, every every kind of award, but I think comedy is the worst one. My uh, assumption with, with a comedy award is it's a fucking nightmare because every time you're introduced on stage, if people haven't heard of you, every time you're introduced on stage, you're introduced as the winner, the, the great, you know, the, the statistically greatest comedian. And then you come on and the expectation from an audience is so suddenly completely different. Like, well, this is going to be the best, thing I've ever seen. Well... And obviously you deliver that, so I'm not saying that's a, the, a problem, but... How do, how do you deal with... How do you deal with the complete fallout when it isn't? No, I think the problem is, you know, you win an Oscar, you made that film maybe six months ago, you don't have to sit next to that person who goes along saying, right, okay, this is the best film of the year. You don't have to then sit opposite them as they watch it, and then they can kind of... Uh, as it's Look going, and tell you, yes, yeah. tell you exactly what they think about you and what they think about this film. You know, you're gone if you win that thing. You're gone. Yeah, telly, it's been made, it's done, it's yeah. gone. The paint's dry. Yeah. You win a comedy award. It's like it's, it's just... day one. It's like okay, mate. Uh, guess what? Your ticket sales are through the roof. Oh, oh, pr- brilliant. <laughs> They weren't before I won the award. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's because a lot of people, uh, they've just heard of you, have no idea what you are, what you do. Hmm. No idea what you are, but they are expecting it to be the best comedy of all time ever made. Well, that- just imagine going into that. Like, I remember as a, as a kid, you know, when you're getting into movies, mm-hmm. and, you know, you buy Empire magazine, you buy Total Film, it's the 100 greatest movies, and you go, here we go. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they're usually right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good films <laughs> whereas stand-up is so it's so subjective and particular to a person that uh you know people will always go with comedy oh there's a comedy night down at uh the pub yeah. do you want to come yeah yeah i'll come that's the end of the conversation yes uh with music they might go do you want to go to a music night they'd go uh okay what kind of music is it uh, it's a jazz night. I hate jazz. And that's the end of the conversation. Uh, comedy, people just go blanket. Yeah, comedy. There's no... Yes, you're so there's right. No, like, this, like as if there's no subcategories to it. It's yeah. just... It, and that's why I think comedy maybe isn't uh, as appreciated as it should be in, say, when it comes to film awards. Yeah. Because people don't see the nuances in comedic performance. Like, you think of Gene Wilder or you... you Think of uh, Steve Martin, you know, mm. the nuances of these performances, these incredible actors, something like Bridesmaids as well. People just kind of take it for granted that it's funny. Yeah. They're like, well, yeah, it's a funny film. People wrote a funny script, got funny people in it. I laughed. What more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> Christ. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
the most important thing I think is, you know, I, I had success quite early on and it was big success. Mm. But you do have to just think the biggest tell of success is that you carry on, that you keep going. Yeah. And so I do think, um, you know, you don't want to end up like a footnote to something. God. You want to be, uh, oh, God, you, want to cra- you, want to, you want to keep going. Yeah, no, I know, I know you've got a couple of Emmys in your loop. The footnote. I heard it once. Now, do you know what it was? Do you know what it was? Somebody went, somebody, it was worse than footnote. Somebody mm. went, well, you know, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to be a rumour, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Which absolutely haunted me for the that, past decade. That really uh, sorted your productivity, <laughs> didn't it? It was like, right, I'm upstairs, I'm writing. The idea that it's not even factual. Like, what? Did he? Not quite sure. Was anyone in the room? <laughs> like, um, oh my lordy. So no, you just you just got to keep working. And you know, if these shiny uh, things come along, you think you got to enjoy it. But uh, very did you en- did do. you enjoy it at the time that it happened? I did enjoy. I know I did enjoy it, but um, I think. Uh, I imagine I've never run a marathon, but I imagine it's how it feels at the end of that because I'd been gigging and I had a full-time job. And I think when I won, I felt like, right, this is what I've been working towards. And it felt like an exclamation mark, like punctuation. It felt like a full stop. Mm. But you've got to get your breath back and you've got to learn to rest. And also in that same breath you gotta you gotta be proud of yourself but not arrogant and you're dealing with feelings of do i deserve this and going well of course i deserve this there's a lot going on but crucially because you've won an award you can't walk around talking about this but because it was 10 years ago actually i can now you know you just gotta be grateful and say thank you but uh, you know i think that i'd love someone to win an award and uh not say thanks (laughs) i think penelope cruz i think when she won an oscar i don't know why i remember it being her but I think she went, you don't work for five years now. Uh, really? Because because people are looking at you going, oh, well, you've won that. And so... What, like you've completed it, so we'll leave you alone? Well, I think a producer, again, like, I'm just, I don't know why I'm talking about the Oscars here, but say a producer wants to win an Oscar, mm. they might kind of go, well, she's done it, so let's get someone who's like... Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you, because you've won it, you're weirdly yesterday's person. Yeah. So I, I had very I had success very early on. But then there was a moment where, you know, I'd oh, only I, been going I totally professionally get it. about a year. And people were like, oh, you're done. Like, you're, 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 you're on your way. And I was like, I've only been a professional comedian for, uh, uh, by the time I won both the awards, I'd been a professional comedian for uh, uh, 10 months. <laughs> but I was yesterday's news because it was like, you've done that. Well done. Congratulations. But it's not the nineties anymore. You don't you don't get your uh, yeah. Channel Four series. So yeah, a, a, a certainly an interesting time of my career. But in a way, I'm glad I got that all out of the way very early on. Yeah, it's like it's it's what I realised about Edinburgh. It's sort of like that. Is that you you make your sort of splash. You make there's the time you have your where the press are interested and they want to. This seems like a good story. And then they never come back. So they go, well, that was covered. And you sort of think, oh, I'm making more and more interesting shows. But no one is interested because they go, yeah, we, we got it. We saw yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They're like, yeah, you do that and you're good at it. Well done, yeah. mate. Well, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, well, I don't know. I thought it'd last a bit longer than a year. <laughs> nah, mate, we've got to move on to the next fresh thing. 
Um, no, no, no. So that's why, you know, I, I'm working on a tour at the moment. And I think uh, it's that thing of what I like is the idea of that you're kind of going, yeah, I've done this for 10 years. It's been my job. Mm. And I've got better, I think, year on year. And also the idea of thinking, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, I think you, you keep proving that you're good at something. I think, I mean, you know, Steve Martin quote, that perseverance is a great uh, substitute for talent. <laughs> but yeah, just keep going in any, you know, in whatever you want to do. Can we talk about briefly, if, if you're comfortable, your personal business? You, yeah. Uh, by which I mean you've created a, a baby. <laughs> yeah. I have a son. Yeah. An heir. An heir. You've sired a, a son. I'm very proud of you. Of an heir. Of yeah. an heir. He might, he won't be left any money, but no. he'll have a nice wig. <laughs> uh, a couple of notebooks with some stuff that, you know. How long? He's seen as racist now. How long did it take you before you put the wig on the baby? <laughs> how many days in? Do you know what? Truth. Yeah. Never done it. Shock. That shocks me. And and disappoints it sho- me. It shocks me. Because I've, I've put stuff on his head. Right. But not the wig. I not the sacred wig. Just, <laughs> do you know what? I, I kind of, I see it as my job. I see it as my career. Hmm. So, you know, there is a couple of posters around, but they're stacked behind each other. There's not really anything in the house that you'd know I do what I do. Yeah. So... There is something that I'm like, I mean, he's, t- he's 18 months, you know, he doesn't know anything yet, but I do think, well, he knows some stuff, obviously. Uh, an oven is hot. He knows that if anyone stops writing in. <laughs> but, you know, like... Um, and he knows that because we put him in the oven to teach him that the late oven was hot, right? If anyone wants to yeah, write no, in. No, he knows that. He knows this. He knows this. <laughs> he knows this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, so it's kind of interesting where I've been thinking, oh, obviously... Uh, I've been thinking, you know, my parents had pretty kind of normal jobs, but he's going to be growing up with two of his parents being self-employed writers, comedians, whatever. So I'm interested in how I'm going to react to that when he starts asking me what I do or yeah, or he, or he kind of maybe find, <laughs> finds out what I do. And he's like, I, I, I'm fully aware, having spoken to other people, who are children are older now that there will be a period like if you heard, if you listen to David Earl talk about his son mm. or uh, Harry Hill I spoke to about uh, his children like there will be years where he cannot stand I think what I do and mm. he might be embarrassed of it so I either get like super super rich before he's like six and then I deny it all <laughs> or uh, I just um, <laughs> I just you know I just, you know, grin and bear it and maybe think, you know, I don't know. The the idea, Brett, mm. what I love, the idea is that, you know, and this may be, we may come on to this, but when I pass, mm. Mm. he goes through the notebooks, the clippings, yeah, the, the little invites to the parties, mm-hmm. and he's going, well, hang on a minute. Uh, he was no fool. I mean, he was, but... Professionally. What's going on here, you know? Right. And he starts, you know, he starts learning about me. I mean, again, pretty grim thought. But in that, doesn't yeah. do, doesn't in the version do where, where he respects what you do, you have to be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like Van Gogh. Yeah. I, no one respects. I mean, it is something I've maybe daydreamed about, like the biggest, the thing I can't get around, because you're right in terms of having kids is how do you explain what you do and how can you make it sound okay is 
if they ever came to a gig and saw you die, oh, that's you sort of prancing around on stage to an oh, audience Lord. that is not into it. <laughs> and he's at the back like, that's, that's my dad. Like, what? How do you... I mean, you're right. It's better to be dead. He's brought his mates. <laughs> this is the thing, though. Like, I'm 35. This could be when I'm 50. Yeah. I mean, what am I doing? Yeah. I can't... I can't I want, do you know what? I'm going to... Brett, because of yeah. this podcast, yeah. I now announce that I'm quitting comedy. I'm going to go and do a journalism MA. Thank you. And I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read the news. Let me tell you who sent me here to do this to you. It was James A. Custer, Robert Ragged, and all the other nominees. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a long, there's a long list <laughs> that you beat out to the award. They said you've got 15 minutes to convince John to quit comedy, and I've done it. So anyway, on to the next thing. Uh, you've died. You're dead. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 How did you die? I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you that. Up top, by the way. No, it's all right. No, I was. I, well, I wasn't aware it was happening, but yeah. um, last thing I remember, it was. Uh, I was at mass. Ooh. I've got. I've got. I've got back into religion. I think maybe. Okay. <laughs> like high mass, Latin. Mm. Lots of smoke. Lots of smoke. Theatrical, you know, men the, and women the real divided. Colors. It horrible. Oh, it's purple everywhere. Yeah. Gold. Lovely. Stained glass windows. Beautiful. Uh, it's Easter Sunday, okay. so there's a there's a celebration celebration where you know there's a vibe. Are, <laughs> yeah, there is a vibe. <laughs> Easter Sunday, there's a vibe. This yeah. is, by the way, this is Catholicism, high Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I don't know, I just kind of keel over in the pews. Oh, just what, collapse. What age are you? I reckon I'm like eighty three. Do you think this is high Catholicism? There's colours. There's smoke. It's all happening. There's a vibe. Do you think there's a one-in-one-out policy? And as Jesus is risen, you must be taken. Must be. Right. When I... um, I used to work at the Houses of Parliament, Brett, before I became a comedian. What did you do there? Were you I was a tour guide. Tour guide. Oh, okay. Tour guide. But, oh, no, no. Well, there was a day I was, but <laughs> yeah. we can't talk about it. Um, <laughs> I went into the wrong room. I had to sign something. They were like, don't think that was... Cameron, eh? <laughs> um, no, I uh, look. It is something illegal? It's illegal. It is technically illegal mm. to die in the Houses of Parliament. What do you mean? Mm. Yes. Well, I'm racking my brains here for uh, what I used to have to remember, but I think the idea. So it goes back to I think uh, our only Prime Minister to be uh, assassinated, Spencer Percival. He was shot outside the House of Commons. Wow. What year? And um, what year? Great question. <sighs> Give me the century. It was, before, it was before the fire, so I'm going to go with late 1700s. Thank you. Early 18, maybe. Okay. Anyway, he's shot, he dies. Mm. Now, I think the rule was if you died in Parliament, you had to have a state funeral, and they couldn't afford it at the time, so they dragged his body out of the palace and declared him dead outside. Wow. So when I worked at Parliament, I always thought, well, if I die here, I'm technically not dead. So, you know, if I if I went to Mass, there's a little chapel in Parliament. If I popped down there and keeled over, I don't know how long I'd be there before they're like, well, what do we do? Oh, fascinating. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting, ha- isn't it? Did you ever have to move a body whilst working at Parliament and, and drag it out into the street and go, died here? 
the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six. I had to do six. Quite, <laughs> long quite, queues. They're long yeah. queues. If there's an interesting debate going on, you're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, no, nothing like that happened. But, you know, I don't know. People, people gave... Uh, People gave worse excuses to get out of my tours. So I'm not feeling very well. Okay, we've got another hour to go, mate. Yeah, I really don't feel well. Okay. Um, I, right. Okay, you're pretending to drop dead. Just school kids. School kids everywhere going, right, let's just pretend. Oh, it was school kids you were doing this with. Oh, mostly, mostly. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, God almighty. Oh, no wonder you're fine with audiences. Well, yeah, you take around private school kids and they're very well behaved and they're like, there's a sense, I remember taking one kid around and I was like, well, you know, a group of them. And I was like, right, do you know who sits here? And one of them went, uh, his dad. <gasps> I was like, oh yeah. And then, uh, you know, there's lords, it's all this, all that going on. Wow. But, you know, and then you take other kids around and it's an interesting place because obviously they, if you, even I remember being their age, you know, you'd be like, this has got nothing to do with me, this place. Yeah. It, it, it is the absolute epitome of boredom. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this is where boredom is created. No, this is where laws is created. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is the most boring place on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson tried to buy that gold throne when he came here. Don't give a fuck, mate. Did he? Is that a fact or are you no, jazzing up apparently. your tongue? That was you jazzed up. I rarely jazzed up. There were people that jazzed up. People that jazzed up. They went, you know, keep your eyes out for Harry Potter. I was like, I don't do a thing like that. (laughs) I was was so like... (laughs) You were like, you're getting facts. That's it. Oh, yeah. Keep your eyes out for Baroness Floella Benjamin. What? Just keep your eyes out. She's nice. She'll stop and talk. Mate. You're the most boring. You are so boring to me. At night, I wear a wig and false teeth, mate. They don't call me boring there. <laughs> uh, do you worry about death, Mr. John Kearns? I worry about death when I think I'm going to die. Like right now, I think I've got my health. But if I'm in the shower and I feel something or, you know, what? the doc- you go to the doctor for a blood test and then the phone rings three days later from an unknown number. Mm. Oh, that's, that's when it's over. Right. And that's when I'm spiralling and I'm going, that's when I'm spiralling. But um, day to day, mm. I, tend, I tend not to uh, dwell on it. What are you feeling in the shower? My arsehole. Right. And then you suddenly think, oh, having a, having a dig around here, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, it smells like something's dying up there. <laughs> Horrible. That, that was horrible. horrible. I've heard your podcast. I'm a fan of your podcast. I dread to think. The kind, I saw this was, uh, I saw your podcast was recommended on Twitter by the Academy Awards. <laughs> I hate to think who is listening to this going, never heard of this guy. I'll give him 15 minutes. Me going, something's crawled up my ass and died. That's where they've gone. You know what? I can do without this. <laughs> Off. This is La La Land all over again. I can't trust these people. <laughs> they got it wrong. They've got it wrong. Tell me <sighs> no, I, Tell me this. Do you think anything happens after you die other than your body being dragged out of Parliament and dumped in the street? 
I mean, does your soul go somewhere? Is there an afterlife? Well, well, no. I, I don't believe there is an afterlife. I sadly don't believe we'll meet again. However, I... Yeah, Brett, you, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get maudly now, which is Please, kind of my, it's my for. D, it's my default position. Uh, you know, I was brought up uh, by Irish Catholics. Uh, I went to uh, church till I was probably sixteen, eighteen. I did theology at A level, smashed that. I was a uh, <laughs> I was an altar server. I mean, I, I I was in it, but I was in it like. Uh, I don't know. I was pretty good at. I wasn't one of these people that believed in hell or anything like that because that wasn't fed to me at all. I don't remember anything like that. Right. Whenever you hear like Mark Maron interviewing because he's Jewish and he'll be if he ever interviews anyone that's Catholic, he's like he just goes straight to hell. You're like, oh, what did you think you were like? Uh, did you think you were uh, going to go to hell? And I'm like, no. What are you talking about? It's like <laughs> it's like no one really no one really talks about anything like that. It's just this kind of it's the routine. It's the rhythms of it. It's the, it, to be honest, it's the, the theatricality of it. Actually, funnily enough, the exercise of going through films for yourself. Yeah. One of the biggest themes, and I'm, I, I still haven't properly processed why, but what comes up a lot actually is Catholicism mm. in the films that I've chosen. Interesting. But again, I think it's more because I like the camp. <laughs> I just like it. It was the movies before the movies. So did you did you do you believe in God? Like what part of it did did you not believe in any of what you were good at and doing or like as in did you just like the show of it or was there a time where you did believe all of that and then you stopped believing all of that? No, I I I, I don't think I ever fully did. Mm. No. It was just, you know, what you did every Sunday. Right. I went to a Catholic school. I think I, you know, with theology, I like the debate. Yeah, I just like I like I like the the conversation, How interesting. you know, the opinions of it, you know, like just the the idea that it's <laughs> that something that is such uh, you know, with respect to anyone who does go in for it, that is such bollocks is um, <laughs> is such a uh, is such a big industry, and it is an industry, you know, it's, that's what it is. Yeah, but I think the, the 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 slight warmness I have to it is I saw especially with my family and my grandmothers that the uh, the ritual of mass mm. having somewhere to go uh, the community that that uh, created especially when you know for them Irish immigrants coming over uh, and then finding their their people at church mm. I think that's an important thing still for people that maybe do. Uh, come over to Britain and all that. Hmm. And so I don't think any, I don't, you know, what else has uh, replaced that? I mean, I think over the past even 10 years, my lifetime, it has slowly uh, deteriorated. But uh, I did see the importance and what it gave, the purpose it gave people around me. So uh, I'm very, I'm very, um, I'm very torn between it all really, but and there's you don't, no God in my, there's you no God. You don't go anymore to, to, Church to no. Well, there's a great quote from uh, Craig Brown, a satirist, mm. and he said he feels religious in empty churches and atheist in full ones. Nice. And I've always related to that. If yeah. I have time on my hands and I maybe in Soho Square or if I'm walking around, uh, maybe I've gone to Harrods to buy a Krispy Kreme. I wow. might pop into... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll park my Lamborghini outside Harrods <laughs> and buy a donut. But, you know, the Brompton Oratory there. Mm. The great thing, like, so for example, you know, you do it on holiday, busy street or something, you walk through a massive door, bang, complete silence. It's cool. Love it. Uh, and I sit there and I'm with my thoughts. Some people might call that prayer. I, I, I don't think I pray. But I take a, I take a moment and um, I don't think about God or anything. I'll light a candle. I'll think about people in my family. But um, again, it's more about the ritual. Mm. And yeah, it's, I, yeah, I think it would take, it will be, it will be a lifetime of working it out, really. Well, but, let, uh, let I don't me believe in it. Let me save you some time. There is a God and he's fucking fuming at you for your attitude towards this. And there is also uh, hell. And you know what? She, by the way, is considering oh, it. Considering you know it for you, you with that attitude. You, yeah. But you could, have to- you could have told me that before I started. Uh... I wanted to hear your thoughts before I yeah, told you the yeah, truth. Yeah. No, fair, fair. But she has gone, do you know what? He did accidentally do all the right things, the rituals, the candles, the thinking, That's the praying. It. That's it. So I'm going to give him me. a shot. Forgiveness is big with this one. And you get to go to heaven. They're huge fans. Huge fans of you. It's filled with your favourite thing. What's your favourite thing? God, I haven't heard you ask that before, Brett. Always ask that every episode. Favourite thing? What's your favourite thing? You don't ask that. I do ask that. <laughs> you don't. I like books. Okay, it's filled with books. It's basically a giant, beautiful library, much like the one in Seven, which I believe is in New York. Lovely library. Absolutely beautiful, but it does also have screening rooms for films. And uh, the the seats are made of hardbacks and softbacks. It's actually more comfortable than it sounds. Everything's books. (laughs) And there's books on trays and books carrying trays and book, 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 book. And the books want to talk to you. And they... Great. They want to ask about your life through film, not books, weirdly, even though that's your favourite thing, but they want to talk about films, maybe films based on books. Anyway, that's up to you. The first thing they ask you, what's the first film you remember seeing? You know, because uh, because I knew this was coming. Yeah. I racked the brain and I went, well, hang on, I've got three films that I, I, I think were maybe the first three I saw. So I actually went and looked at when they were released. Wow. And the one that came first, so it must be the first film I ever saw, was Babe. Ah, uh, what? It's one of the great the films. What? So I, again, I'm looking it up. 1995, nominated for Best Film at the Oscars. Yeah, deservedly so. Should have won. Stunning film. And I really, I, I do remember vividly seeing that film in South London with my brothers and my mum had taken us. And I remember leaving the cinema and getting in the car and then going to my nans. And I just remember thinking, this is a great day. And it's only now looking back that I'm like, right. I think that was because that was the first time you went to the cinema. The other two were Jumanji, which I went to see with my auntie. Lovely. And a film, a film called Cutthroat Island. Yeah. Which was... Uh, Dina Davis, the first pirate film. Well, not the that's first, it. The big, big but pirate I, film. I, it's a great pirate film. Yeah. And it was the precursor to Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, that kind of film. Correct. Because I, I don't know if it was Disney, but it was a... I, but my memories there are... So I think the first film I saw was Babe. I think I went to the cinema with my auntie, so that must have done something in my head where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm you know, I'm with, uh, you know, not my mum and dad at the cinema. This is cool. And then I remember the other one was maybe just... <laughs> I was with friends for the first time. And when... when uh, 
eight-year-olds go and see a film, they're just swapping chairs for about an hour and a half. <laughs> I just keep going, nah, this, uh, my angle's wrong. I'm going to sit where you sit. No, I'm, do you know what? I'm actually, I want to sit at the, just, have you seen kids? They just constantly move in seats. They just want the perfect yeah. view. Good for them. How, how, how many brothers, sisters you got? Or just brothers, is it? Two brothers, two brothers, yeah. Older, younger, middle? Which are you? I'm the eldest, yeah. Oh, lovely. Babe, I'll tell you a little fun fact. Right, so, Sheila, I believe her name was Sheila Hancock, and she ran the London Film Festival for many, many years. And when I, I did work experience there once for a week or something, and she told me, she'd see, so she's seen every film ever made, she said Babe was her favourite film. And she watched it uh, like a thousand times. She's Babe is the greatest film. It's a good film. <laughs> it's a great film. It was on TV the other the other week, and I was like, the thing is, when you see James Cromwell walking around, yeah. ever Farmer since Farmer Hoggett, uh, he, that is a thing where whatever film I see him in now, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's the guy from Babe. Yeah, you see LA Confidential shortly after Babe, and you go, oh, Farmer Hoggett's gone bad. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. Might, it might have been uh, might have been ten years after I saw Babe. Right there we go. You've had your first uh, film. How do you feel about that? Brilliant. Uh, oh no, no, I'm doing role oh, play. Sorry, right? you're doing role play. So sorry. No, no, You've God, got to oh, my, your I would a little bit more. I would. Yeah, sorry. From normal. I was, I was, do you know what I was doing? I was being my mum. I was going. This is my pressure. My mum. Okay. Can you make it sound a bit different? Unless she sounds exactly like you. Yeah, because that's yeah, sorry, mate. Um, right. Um, oh, it might just sound <laughs> right. You've seen Babe, kids. Yeah, you love it? Loved it, mum. Right. LA Confidential next. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> is he your favourite? Oh, I love Farmer Hoggett. Oh, what? Is he your favourite actor? Yeah. LA Confidential next. <laughs> but that's the first film I've ever seen. Is he your favourite actor? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess so. We're going to take you to LA. We're going to the premiere. Your <laughs> uncle knows someone. What? Are you you got to meet him. Christ almighty. I'm it's eight. him or the pig. It's him or the pig are my favourite. It's <laughs> Yeah, I like the pig as well. Yeah, you'll meet the pig. Right. <laughs> your mum yeah. sounds a lot like you. It's lovely to know where you come from. Yeah. What is the film that made you cry the most? Are you a crier, John Kearns? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm going through my brain here. I remember seeing this film in the cinema and I was uncontrolled. Like, I'd, <laughs> I was with my girlfriend at the time and I just couldn't. The film is precious. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Are you talking one scene or the whole film? Are you talking the big <sighs> scene with the mum at the end? Yeah. Well, she, no, not at the end. Just the way she treat. I just remember just... I just remember feeling so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For... for, for, for um, Poor precious. For that character. Yeah. It's based on a book. I don't know if the book is... I hope it's fiction. Christ, but... Mariah Carey's in that film. She's mm-hmm. really good in that. She is. But, oh, okay, it's a hot... I mean, oh, man. I just... I couldn't handle the injustice hmm. <laughs> of how horrible the, the mother is in, in, in that film and how she treats her daughter and the daughter's pregnant and then the way her school friends treat her. And she has dreams of becoming, I think, a novelist or a film star and that's her escapism from the life that she's living. I haven't seen it since, but... That's okay. It, yeah, but it, that film killed me, and I, I, you know, I don't think I'm alone in that. That's a lovely. It's sort of lovely that you were so sort of upset by this horrible mum because you you have a lovely mum, and and you were like, Press's mum isn't saying we're going to the LA Confidential premiere." 
because you like no, she, she didn't take it no, she didn't take it with her. I just I just I really remember going and I don't know why my reaction was so visceral but well I mean it, I don't know why you know hmm. there wasn't a part of my brain going you know this is a <laughs> you know this is a film <laughs> but I just really remember thinking that is not how you treat people but yeah that film killed me and hmm. uh that was number one, just because I remember being in the cinema. I was, like I said, with my girlfriend at the time, and I was like, this is, I'm uncontrollable here. Mm. And uh, a close runner-up was uh, Remains of the Day. Wow. Again, I, I saw that at home. <sighs> Unrequited love. Mm. That scene at the bus stop. She's on the bus, crying her eyes out. The stoicism. Mm. <sighs> Hopkins in that. He won a BAFTA for that. And that that performance is unbelievable. He's, He's very just good. he is very good. It's extraordinary. Just the way he, oh, just the way he just he just holds it, and and you know he just will not let himself fall in love. And you're looking at a man who is in love. It's it's it's, yeah. it's an extraordinary. You're looking at a man who is in love, and he is acting it where he knows he's in love, but no one else must know and. The way he play, like when he gets back in the car, there's a stillness and boy, that's my, that's my favorite uh, kind of acting. I, I'll say this, I'll say this on a podcast because I saw an example of it recently. The show Blackbird, you know Blackbird, this show that's heard about it. Taron Egerton and Paul Walter has it, and there is a scene in it with Taron Egerton. Everyone's very good acting wise in it. But there's a scene where I'm like, that's my favourite kind of acting or performance where he's having to to get a confession out of this killer. So he's sort of pretending to be his friend. And he's like, yeah, they're being sort of lads, lads, lads. And then the killer starts talking about killing a young girl, basically, sort of submitting it. But he's he's kind of bragging as he's telling it. And Taron Egerton is receiving this information, is so upset by what he's hearing, but he's also having to still be his bro. He is, mate. Wow. And it's such a great bit of acting of him taking it in and being so horrified and upset by it, but also still being like, cool, cool, cool. You know what I mean? It's a fucking brilliant bit. That sounds fantastic. Really good. Anyway, good actor. Good acting. That's like um, De Niro in Goodfellas when he he sat at the bar. Smokes a cigarette. The Cream soundtrack comes on. Yeah. And you just know he's going to kill this guy. And he's looking over at him, just kind of, uh, oh, my God. The amount of times I've used that gif. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's the film that scared you the most? Do you like it? Do you like being scared? Do you like it? Do you like it, John? I I, I think I do. But I I, I kind of, uh, I enjoy it. Um, Again, I, I kind of was thinking about this. And I had a mate who, he loved horror movies. And whenever I went around his house and I stayed over, He'd crack on like, you know, we'd go through him, all the, the original Omen and all that. And I think, you know, with horror, it's all, it's, it's, it's very much, if you're watching it with someone else, you can kind of, it's like being on a roller coaster, you know, the best bit is hearing your mate next to you <laughs> scream their guts out. Yeah. And pass out. <laughs> yeah. The ones that I, again, I'm thinking back when I'm 14, I'm getting in a film, I'm like, right, I'm going through it. I think it's more, not the horror, I, I kind of, it was the uncanny films. So I'm going to go with Blue Velvet. Yes. 
I was at an age where I couldn't, it, it was just odd. Mm. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, now I know. But it's just, it's just when you're at that age, you're an impressionable weight. Like, again, you know, I'd seen The Exorcist, I'd seen everything. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it, whatever. But with Blue Velvet, it was just so fucking creepy. Yeah. And also, when you're 14, it's quite erotic as well. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of, you're, you're turned on. Mm. And you love the music and the way he's kind of seducing you. But uh, yeah, it unnerved me, it unsettled me. Obviously, Dennis Hopper's performance. Is, there's a bloke in like a plastic mask at one point. Like, yeah. um, and it, you know, it, it's those images that you go to bed and you're like, well, there we go. And you just... Uh, <laughs> I'll be thinking about that for the rest of my life. Yeah, they just flash up now and then. You're like, oh, okay, that's still one. That's still there. But also just, you know, the white picket fence and, you know, classic everyone just waving and all being very sweet like it's the Truman Show. Yeah, the uncanny always kind of got in my noggin. He's the best of the best, David Lynch. I I saw Eraserhead when I was getting into David Lynch when I was much younger and I was absolutely terrified and I didn't understand why and I went I remember running down to my sister and I said I'm watching this it's the scariest film I've ever seen and, I, and she said why and I said I don't know like I couldn't yeah. I couldn't go oh because this has happened it was like if I described it you'd go that sounds ridiculous yeah, like, imagine, a, imagine a kid God, this horror film is driving me crazy why what is it the pace the, the, the pace <laughs> the tone just the tone of it <laughs> I think there's an undercurrent of, of bass in, in the soundtrack. I don't know. <laughs> someone had their head chopped off? No, no. Is there someone by the door? Nah, none of that. It's just kind of, it's it's just slow, man. Radio. It's just slow. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, I'd be like, yeah, I respect, uh, I do respect. Uh, this kid. Yeah, I respect the taste. This kid's not moving seats in this cinema. He's sitting still. No, no, look it. Wow. Do you know what? I'm going to say it. Sue me. I'm going to set up a cinema. Four kids, mm-hmm. but they watch they watch classic horror. Yeah, and the the seats have seat belts. Let's go. <laughs> like a ride, like a theme park ride. You check the seat belt, lock them in, start the film. Yeah, yeah. I edit out some bits that I'm like, you can't show them that. But just like the weird, you know, yeah. the weird long pad shots of stuff. I'm like, yeah, shove it in. Let's teach them about cinema. Let's teach them about life and no moving in your seats. For I'd go sake. in on this business. I really would. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. 
They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia, and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. I'll remember that. Uh, what's a film that you love? People don't like it. Critics hate it, but you love it. You don't care. What are these idiots? Well, this, I found this tricky because um, I... Only like uh, good films. <laughs> well, honestly, I was a snob. Right. As a kid, I was a snob. Okay. And my mates that went, oh, that's a laugh. And I went, I'm never, I'm not doing that. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't do that. According to these lists, right. it's not there. However, having said that, <laughs> me and my mate, and again, it, this one was pretty tricky because I'm like, I haven't gone back to films that I remember being bad. I can't watch, I'm not one of these people that can go, oh, I can watch it so bad it's good. I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, not having it. Having said that, my friend and I went to see Angels and Demons. And um, again, this goes back to me talking about the religion stuff. I love anything set in the Vatican. Right. Yeah. I love anything set in the Vatican. The two popes is unbelievable. Mm. I love it because I want to know, you know, like I said, brought up Catholic church, you go to school and all that. I want to go there and in Angels and Demons, he's running around in there. He's in the basement. And also I'm just obsessed with what the Vatican has. Like it's got insane amounts of, it's probably got the biggest art collection in the world, the most expensive. It's got artifacts from history from the past millenniums that are just priceless. And they're all in the vaults. And if you remember Angels and Demons, Hanks is running around the vault. I loved it. Helicopter at the end. Absolute crap. (laughs) Absolute crap. (laughs) I think that's a perfect answer. Complete rubbish. You perfectly answered it. But on the other hand, what's a film that you used to love? You loved it. Then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh, no, 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 not for me. Well, again, difficult. Mm. I've uh, the way I've thought about this is what film was what film that I watched when I was a kid like went to the cinema mm. and I left going that's the greatest film of all time is now not the greatest film of all time. Okay. The one I remember <laughs> the one I remember going well if anyone asks me what I think the greatest film of all time is it will be now this. I'd left the View Cinema no it was Warner Brothers Cinema at the time Burley Way oh, South yeah. Wimbledon Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a great cinema. Yeah, it was. I've been there. It was the remake uh, of Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> great film. <laughs> great film. Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller. Yeah. Now, Funny. To this, to this, well, I mean... That's the one that we do it my... in, right? Do it. Do it. That's the do it <laughs> film. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, well, I mean, that's my answer because I'm going, I remember how much I love that film. <laughs> It completely, I just remember going, well, that is just just fantastic. (laughs) And, you know, there was a car park outside the cinema. Me and my mates are thinking about rolling around the cars, probably saying do it for about three months afterwards. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if I watched it now, I think I'd be really, I'd I'd be probably so disappointed. But still is incredible. So, and Owen, so I don't know, maybe, um, maybe I'm wrong, but. I, I reckon, Brett, I don't think it's the best film ever made. What's the film that means the most to you, John Cairns? The film might not be good, but the experience you had around seeing the film will always make it special to you, my friend. Please tell us your answer. Well, this film, well, again, 
you can't ignore the first thought that goes in your head. I, I feel very fortunate to have nice memories of going to the cinema with my family or, you know, friends and all that. But uh, I remember seeing The Great Beauty with my, um, Love my, uh, my partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw it in central London. And then uh, yeah, I think we, you know, we just started kind of going out. And then we walked home because I think that film had just completely knocked us sideways. And the end of that film is just extraordinarily beautiful. Mm. And I don't know, again, it's how cinema, it's like how music, just it's when it lands in your life. And that film is all about, I think, lost youth and about, I, do you know what, actually, looking back at it now, I really think it must have been a huge influence on the latest series of White Lotus. Oh, right. Because it's in Italy and it's just this glam, it's the glam life. Mm. But, you know, it's very simply, that's the facade. You see the gorgeousness of Rome, but it's about this uh, journalist called Jep, who uh, basically is is getting older and even though he gets excited by, I think, a new job, he just realises the... Um, the futility of it all. And he just thinks about lost love and uh, his life and how the parties around him are meaningless. And there's a moment where he looks up at a giraffe. I think uh, he's got a mate who's about to become Pope or something. Again, there's this religion thing. Mm. And the guy lets him into this like special, I can't remember exactly the detail, but he, he's got like this special key that can let him into special places in Rome. And he goes into this courtyard and there's a giraffe. And he, I don't know, it's just so funny how a film... You could watch so many films set in space yeah. <laughs> or like, uh, you know, you could watch, you could watch anything, but a film can be so beautiful that a bloke walking into a courtyard at night seeing a giraffe yeah. can make you feel as though it's the first time you've ever seen a giraffe and you see the beauty of a giraffe and, 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 you know, yeah, animals man. and then you think of life, but then the end is just extraordinary. It's like, the end is like an Italian version of Bill Hicks's routine of that, uh, you know, life is just a ride. Because he just said that the end is just him saying life is a trick. It's a trick. It's a trick. And then he shuts his eyes. And then this absolutely incredible piece of music uh, goes over the credits with a boat going down the river in Rome. And mm. the reason why, yeah, I think we left the cinema. I'm with uh, my partner who I'm, who I now have a child with. We've been together nearly 10 years. And it was that thing of, I think it was quite, you could probably say that film maybe, I've got friends that would say that film's maybe pretentious or they'd mm. be like, yeah, of course you love that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but we had this conversation, I think, about life, about love, about what the film meant. And I think that can be quite a romantic. And also when you find someone who you can talk to about movies with and not feel, we've been, you know, so many of us have been in situations where you you watch a film and someone says it's shit and you go, yeah, 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 I agree. <laughs> but when you find someone that you can basically be very pretentious with and ask them questions about life, that film did it. And it, it, you know, what a beautiful film that is. Amazing soundtrack as well. Incredible. Perfect answer. Thank you. What is the film you most relate to? Now, again, all right, this is, again, this might be a bit pretentious here, but I did run it past Gabby and she went, I kind of, I see this. So I, again, going through, you know, the education of trying to uh, understand uh, film and cinema, mm. I got into um, Terence Davies stuff. Right. So mm. I ordered Distant Voices, Still Lives on DVD. Mm-hmm. And I watched that 
that film is absolutely mind-blowing. The reason why I think it relates to me is it's about, well, I don't think it, I don't think it relates to me. I think it relates to, and it's particularly British, this film, but I think the British way of life, family, life, death, etc. and the war. I, I, was, I was thinking about it, you know, knowing I was coming on this podcast. I, that film is just one of the greatest British films ever made. But I just remember being rocked by it. And it wasn't that I felt I'd been seen. I just remember going, that's life. Mm. That is that is life. Ups and downs. Life and death. And there's a lot of Catholicism in it as well. There's a lot of church going. Your stand-up, the show, I, I haven't seen your newest show. I saw your last show. And it was very, now you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like a Terence Davis film. It was very British and about life and and a whole life basically is how I saw your last show like a family like it was well I talk I guess I talk about family not in a particular kind of like broad strokes Mm. and I think with his work or that film he shows snapshots of a life yeah I think there's all there's a running theme of a family having a picture in the living room over a period I think every you know 10 years so one picture, someone's not in that picture, then there's a couple, then there's a marriage picture. Mm. Somebody dies and the coffin pulls up. He continually uses the motif of the front door being open and things passing it. I I, I love, uh, I, I, I kind of, I remember even as a teenager, I couldn't really, I don't really know what this says about me, but I loved films set in very domestic settings. I just, I just went, yeah, this is my stuff. <laughs> and you know anything where master and commander I could handle because it was kind of domestic on a boat. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. But um, yeah, I just like kitchen sink stuff. So when I uh, when I saw that film, the, the reason why I say it, you know, is because yeah, I just remember watching it, going, "That is life." Yeah, it's ups and downs, and it's brutal. There are some scenes that are very hard to watch. Also, the cinematography. There's a beautiful bit with umbrellas that looks exactly like um, that scene in Road to Petition where they're all running around with the umbrellas and where two of the characters in the film fall through this glass roof. I mean, uh, it is astonishing. And uh, it's very, it's a film that's very close to me. Um, Mm. But again, I feel like the answer I've given is vague, but but it's just something I feel. I don't think it's vague at all, and genuinely, it's sort of made made me go, "Oh right, yeah," because it is. It has. It reminds me of your stand up. Your stand up wow. is funny, Terence Davis. Well, well, again, like the Great Beauty, yeah, phenomenal soundtrack. We're like he, I don't think. Stand-up. I think every. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love the Phenom- show, mate. Great music. Phenomenal soundtrack. The beginning. What of the was that song you played before? <laughs> What was that song you played before you came on? That was stunning. Oh, that was the high point. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the sexiest film you've ever seen, you disgusting pervert? Well, I, you know, I was a teenager when uh, Channel 5 put out the erotic thrillers at uh, 10.55 every Friday night. Yeah, it was, a good, it was a good time. It was a great, great time. Boom time. Boom. <laughs> it was boom time. <laughs> Bust and boom. But uh, 
No, I've been thinking about this a lot. Mm. Bound. Phenomenal. The Wachowskis, <laughs> a lesbian thriller, sexy as fuck. Oh it's my great God. Film. Suspenseful, erotic. Well, it's a, st- it's a great film. Yeah. First off, again, you know, you're, I don't know how old I was when I'm watching that, but it's sexy as hell. Yeah. Also, I, I kind of was thinking back about it. I was like, you know what? I'm glad I found that film sexy because it's like, I don't think it's exploitative in any way. I think it's quite, but yeah, it's just sexy, man. Yeah. I just remember being like, <laughs> it was so sexy, I probably put my knob away. <laughs> Out of respect. This is too sexy. <laughs> I'm like, no, you know what? This this is art. I need to not... No, Sorry, no, soldier. Is, Stand down. This is I know art. I promised you. I know that you'd heard a lot about this film, but um, <laughs> no, this is sexy. I actually, you know, I want to watch this. <laughs> what on the troubling bone is worrying wider? What's a film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should? The thing is, when you are 15 and you're going through your dad's video drawer looking for anything, oh, look, look I'm not going to lie here. You're looking for sex scenes. <laughs> well, three boys in the house. I don't know how you're doing this. Are you taking turns? How's it happening? Oh, we've never talked about it. Okay. And, you know, I'd be looking, you'd be looking for anything. This is pre-internet, by the way. People yeah. listening going, what the hell? Yeah. And the, the, the one which I try to think, is there anything here? Hmm. Was uh, a scene in Shakespeare in Love, and they don't even show it. Gwyneth Paltrow's behind the door, and the nurse is at the door like... Hmm. I'm like raising her eyebrows. Right. The, the, the nurse is raising her eyebrows. And Gwyneth Paltrow goes, a non-kind nurse. Mm. I mean, I try to get something out of that. <laughs> Did you manage? Did you manage? Oh, probably. No, good for you. It's like when you watched uh, Confessions of a Window Cleaner and you'd be like, right. And then, you know, you just see the guy's arse all the time. He's just running around naked up ladders and like... Don't you see boobies in that? You see boobies. Yeah, you do, but you see his arse. He's always running around with his arse out. Yeah, it's mostly his arse. And then, you know, the husband comes in and he's out. He's jumping out the window. Mm. You're like, there's too much... What's going on here? There's too much Robin (laughs) Asquith arse. I suppose you're right. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter. He's quite funny. (laughs) But I I also think your arse is the arse I've seen most in my life. I haven't seen my arse about, I reckon I've seen my arse over the course of my life. I think I've seen my arse, if you added it all up, six minutes. Uh, that's so interesting and true. I, I'm looking at six, yeah. I'm looking at five, <laughs> where you actually had a look and you've got, oh, right, that's what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. In your lifetime, six is mass. Like, and that's also a minute where you think something's wrong and you're really. That's when you think you're dying in the shower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, but even then, I'm not looking at it. I mean, oh, God. What is the, objectively, the greatest film of all time? The Shining. Uh, okay, yeah, you can have it. Yeah. That film is not mucking around. It's not? I, it's, it's the film I've seen most in the cinema. I think I've seen it about six times in the cinema. There's a book that's just been written by, um, is it Lee Unkrich? He did Coco? With the pictures, with the extra pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I really want it, and then I saw it cost £1,500. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. What I was looking last week, I've been he's he's been writing this book for ten years. Still, and I that seems and I'm like, for a book. I love a book, not as much as you, but that seems. Well, do you know what I think book. they're going to do? Do you remember the Kubrick Napoleon book they released? Yeah, I think what they do is they issue a big one, going right, 
collector's item here. Yeah. And then they release a they release like a thirty quid one for Okay. So you just gotta hang around a bit. It does seem a lot for a book. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> I was looking at it like <laughs> even if I was like even if I had the money, I'm going yeah. I don't know. But I that that film really it's one of my favourite films. Like I said, I just I remember I <laughs> I took I took a girlfriend at the time. She hadn't seen it. And I was like, you know, when you're showing off films, yeah. you're like, you got to see this thing. Anyway, the credits came up at the beginning and it went Jack Nicholson. And she leant over to me and went, oh, God, I hate Jack Nicholson. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, there were two things going on. I was like, yeah. well, hang on, if you knew you were seeing The Shining, how the hell have you got to this point and not known he's in it? And secondly, I mean, this is full on Jack Nicholson. <laughs> This is going to cement everything you think about Jack I, I sort of also never in my life heard anyone say they hate Jack Nicholson. Oh, well. No she got me a week later. I'm surprised you didn't get rid of her on the spot. I did. Her I did, loss. Her I loss. say go see The Shining. She says, I hate Jack Nicholson. I go, I hate you. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Walked off. Yeah. But no, I let her just break my heart. I'm sorry. Jenny. Slap on remains of the day. <laughs> doesn't sound like she was the one. No, 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 not Where at all. Where is she now? God knows. Okay. No idea. What? But oh, yeah, that sorry, film is crazy. Yeah. That film is absolutely, absolutely... Cracking. Objectively. Yeah. That's where I'm going. That's where you get the lists out. That's where you go, right, what is happening here? And that Kubrick is, my God, that is unbelievable. I, I, I don't, still don't quite understand whenever I read about him, 90 takes or whatever. And the only reason oh. it bothers me is as someone who, you know, has has done a bit on both sides of it. Editing, when you're in the edit, watching 90 options would mm. drive you fucking insane. I'm like, don't give me 90. Give me 10 maximum. Maximum Max. 10. Yeah. Otherwise, we're never going to finish it. I've got to go wade through 90 takes on every single angle of this. I mean, no wonder <laughs> these films took so long. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Sorry, can I just see another take? Oh, which one? Uh, which which of the eighty nine do you want to check? I know, I know. Unless I mean, he's watching, unless on set he goes, "That's the one." But sometimes that happens, and then you get in the edit and you go, "Oh, actually, it's not quite the one." Can I have a look at the other eighty nine? Oh, the do. editor must have been like, "Are you fucking joking, Stanley?" Was he trying to tap into the clowning kind of thing? You know, clowning is showing your real self. I believe I've read various things that sometimes it was like. The actors wouldn't know their lines. So the first 10 takes was the actor learning their lines because they hadn't done their homework. Then it was the actor is acting. Then if you keep pushing through, eventually they stop doing the thing that they were doing. Then it, you keep pushing through and something else happens, something else happens. Which means in theory, he only cares about the last five takes or whatever. But I still go, from experience, sometimes you're on set and you go, that's the take and you make a note of it. And then you're in the edit and you go, oh, it isn't quite the take for, for whatever reason. It might not have been lit right. There might be something slightly off with the camera, you know. So you then do have to watch the other takes. And in the end, you always end up looking back at the other takes. He's got to do 90 takes every shot. What is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Well, it, again, it's... Is it The Shining? Well, it's The Shining or it's Goodfellas or it's The Odd Couple. Hmm. Billy Wilder. Yeah, the great. You can whack his film on any... and You can whack any one of his films on. Anytime. I yeah. went through a phase where I was buying all of his movies and watching them and, my God, I mean, you know, I think I've probably seen The Apartment quite a few times as well. 
you just you you just they're just gems like you yeah. they're works of again going back to what I, that, that kind of that domestic side of things that I just um, kind of latch on to. Here's a question for you that I was thinking when you said this. I've been trying to I've been formulating this in the back of my mind since you said this a few questions back. Do you think your your the reason you like the domestic stuff, the kitchen sink stuff? Because what's different is it basically comes down to do you do you want cinema for escapism? People go and see Star Wars as escapism. I want to get away from my life. Or do you want cinema to go, what is life? What is this? What is this that I'm experiencing? What is yeah. around me? Hundred percent that. Right. I'm I, I'm not kind of kind of I'm not running out. I, I like the but again. This is kind of where maybe earlier on I was like, I'm seeing the connection here with religion in that. Mm. I, I Yeah, I like cinema that just asks the big questions. Yeah. And tries to answer it in some way or tries to show it through a relationship or, you know, whatever, whatever the, whatever the film's about. But mm. um, yeah, escapism, no. I, 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 Don't I need really, it. <laughs> I mean, it's an odd thing to say. Yeah. You know, like, you know. I'm not an idiot. I Hotel Budapest, Toy Story. I'm there. I'm front row. I'm saying that was a fantastic movie. I'm buzzing on the way home. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I I like yeah the big questions. I like leaving. You know, where, and again, I've got mates that leave cinemas going, "What the fuck was that about? Fuck that!" Mm. And I'm just sat there going, "No, no, 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 no. Yes. no you don't understand." Ugh. No one has the answer to life, but that that took me a step further in my kind of in my understanding. There is another answer coming up. Where Go on. Um, oh, we get to, okay. We'll do that. Yeah, we'll be quick because it's negative. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Well, from the sublime to the ridiculous, because they directed this as well. Uh, again, I don't know if it was the worst film I've ever seen, but I remember going. I fell asleep. I thought about leaving. Matrix Reloaded. The, is the Matrix Reloaded the newest one? No, number three. The number three, okay. Now, again, I, I, get, I so that's my memory, right? Yeah. I looked it up, mm. and it's not regarded as a terribly bad film. I think I remember liking it more than the second one, but when I went to watch Matrix Rebooted or whatever it's called, the newest, it's very <laughs> strange, the new one, very strange and surprising, but... When I went to watch it, I watched one of those The Matrix trilogy in five minute things to remind myself. Okay, so I was like, do I need to remember exactly? And I watched this, and I was like, I don't understand any of this. This is a very confusing world. No, but this is it. This goes back to my earlier answer. You know, if I'm going, oh yeah, Brett, I like uh, Distant Voices, Still Lives. Uh, I'll tell you what I like. I like a film set in a kitchen. If mm. I'm then going to watch uh, Matrix <laughs> Reloaded. <laughs> Yeah, that's not it's just you, not it? for me. It's just not my taste. And I, he's asking I remember, the big questions about life and existence. Well, but in a way, you you that scares you. You, it want, it, does. you want people chatting about it in a kitchen. I, I tell you, I want people chatting about it in a situation where I'm like, yeah, they know how to work the oven. They know that the taps work. They know that there's fridge, whatever. Yeah. In Matrix, I'm going. Yeah. Well, you're asking about what life is, mate. But I'd love to know uh, how you open that window because. I don't know, it looks like you've got to press four fucking buttons and slide something under something. Like you're in a, yeah. I don't, they're not even in a spaceship. They're in, I don't know what they're in. You're, they're sleeping, in the in, you're sleeping in fluid. That seems impractical. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Um, nah, I like, you know, two people on a brass bed. Mm. You know, Charlie Chocolate. 
and uh, Charlie Chocolate. <laughs> that was the sexiest film I ever saw. Wow. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie, Charlie Chocolate. Chocolate. Charlie Chocolate is a great character. Charlie Chocolate. Hey, oh, it's me, Charlie Chocolate. <laughs> Have you found the golden penny? <laughs> oh, God. Charlie Chocolate. Yeah. We're off to see Charlie Chocolate, kids. No, so, please, God, no. <laughs> so you don't like Charlie Chocolate and, and Willy Wonka because... No, I do. My oh, point do? is, I do. It starts as a kitchen sink drama, that. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. They're all in the bed. They're all like, they're all in this yeah. little house. I'm like, brilliant. And then it goes off. Then it goes escapism, but it starts in real. So you're okay with that. It sort of gently guides your hand. That's it, so that's it. A, we can have a bit of fun, John. We've that's shown it. you the kitchen. Everything works. We ain't got enough money to pay for the gas. But yours. if we did, the oven works. Now we're just going on a little adventure. Yours. Okay. Like a kite, you know, it's rooted. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I can see it. who's old in the kite, but I can also look up and enjoy the spectacle. Love it. Oh, <laughs> it's what? people listening to this going, fucking hell, mate. Just, just go watch a Marvel film and chill out for three hours. What's the film that made you laugh the most, you funny bastard? Okay. Again, I've tried to avoid obvious for you because I'm thinking this guy must get answers all the time, and also you might be answering. You might also. I thought in your position, you must have to ask. You must have to ask this question. And even though you say try and think outside the box, people go bang, and you got to be like, I don't know this guy well enough to question them on it. So look, I'm going to go. Obviously, Dumb and Dumber is incredible. That's a funny film, no funny, doubt about funny it. Film. Four Lions made me piss myself. Amazing. But I'm going to go for Waiting for Guffman. Okay. Christopher Guest, mm-hmm. improvised, amateur dramatics, Fred Willard. That film is so funny. He is, I mean, Fred Willard is insane. Like, you're just like... He's funny. He is, he's like... <laughs> God. That is a film I love. You know, you know when you know people would love it and yeah. they haven't seen that and you go, oh my God, I want you, I want to sit next to you. And watch you watch this. And then they sit there and the opening credits happen. They lean across and they go, I hate Fred Willard. (laughs) (laughs) I hate cinema. Ah. (laughs) We don't have to sit here and watch it, do we? Uh, Yeah, that's cinema. I hate cinema. Oh, for God's sake, you're fucking 30. What's wrong with you? Um, I'm going to dump you in a week. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) This was supposed to be fun. (laughs) it's <laughs> Fred Willard he's funny right just look at him just look at him he doesn't know what's about to come out of his mouth oh man all of all, I mean all of those films best yeah. in show but yeah the one that I remember when I I remember seeing Waiting for Guff and, and just again it's that you know you have it with movies where you leave and you go I need to get a script I need to get a book I need to somehow hold this mm. and that's why you know with I guess a lot of people feel it with streaming and even with music and stuff. You don't, you don't have that tangible, physical kind of. But when you got that DVD of say like waiting for Guffman, or you just devoured it. You were like, God, this is so good. Yeah, what a film! Funny film. John Cairns, you've been truly magnificent on this. However, if I may, when you were eighty-three years old and you were in the 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 chapel in Parliament. And it was high mass. We're talking <laughs> purple. We're talking smoke. We're talking the whole show. Big show. Yeah, curtains. It's, a lot of curtains. It's Easter Sunday. 
Jesus is coming back. People have heard rumours. You heard that rumour? Don't want him to be a footnote. Jesus is coming back. And you're there. You're excited. You love all this. You love the pageantry. You love the show. And Jesus goes to himself, well, it's one in, one out, isn't it? If I'm coming back, I've got to take one of these out. Who in this room doesn't believe in God? Ah, there he is. He sees you. He has you killed. You keel over, fall over the front of the pew. Dead. (laughs) Are you dead? No, you can't be because you're in Parliament. I'm walking by with a coffin. You know what I'm like. I say, has anyone seen John Kerr? They go, yeah, he's lying very still. And I go, is he dead? And they go, no, no, no. They all look scared because it's Parliament. No, he's not dead. He's just being very still. And I go, he's not breathing, right? And they go, just take him outside. Take him outside or we'll all get killed. So I drag you, the Lord, the, that, that kid's daddy goes, take him outside or we all lose our fucking jobs. Yeah. I, drag you, I drag you out into the street. Yeah. And then I go, oh, I think he is dead, actually. Now, yeah. I've, got, now yeah. I've got him in the sunlight. I think he is dead. Anyway, I've, I've got to get you in this coffin, but the coffin ain't the right size because you've put on a bit of timber in the last 40, yeah, well, yeah. 45 years. Yeah. So I'm having yeah. to chop me up, 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 chop me up. I say, Jesus, can you give body? me an axe? He goes, yeah, yeah, he goes, chop it, chop, 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 chop. We chop me up into a little bit, stuff you in the coffin. More can I just say to people listening, yeah. he's not reading this. Just no. for anyone listening, Brett oh, doesn't right. read this. This is just coming out of his head. Right. Chop, 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 chop. Get you in the, get you in the coffin, stuffed you in. It's ram. <laughs> There's only room in this coffin to slip one DVD in the side with you to take across oh, to the other crikey. side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night in Book Heaven. What film are you taking to show the book people of Book Heaven in the book library, in the book screening hall, on the book seats, when it is your movie night, John Kearns, legend? I think the film that I'd like to be slipped into my coffin, Brett, for, you know, every question could be, you know, I could have 10 answers to every one of your questions. But the one that remains magical and... When I was going through the list, Mm -hmm. I went, bugger me, that film was superb. The Great Beauty. Wonderful. Wonderful answer. Wonderful man. What uh, would you like to tell people to look out for or to listen to or to read in the coming times? What? uh, Of your own stuff. Flog my tour, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was thinking, I was like, well, uh, I I could recommend them. No, um. Well, I'm on I'm on tour, Brett, and uh, it starts in London in February 2023, and it ends in London, actually, on June the 2nd at the Bloomsbury mm-hmm. Theatre. I'll be up and down the country all around. I might be adding some extra dates, but uh, if anyone wants to come along, it's johnkernscomedy.co.uk, because a friend of mine bought johnkerns.co.uk, uh, and then I forgot he'd done that until I registered the other one. So there we go. I have heard your new show is incredible. I've heard that from a lot of reputable sources, actually. Well, the, uh, well, it, it, as you know, you just keep your head down and run towards the day that um, it's released out into the world. So the, I've still got a month and a half to work on it. And I'm very happy with where it is. But at the same time, as I was saying, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, you just got to keep making it as good as it can be. So, yeah. No resting on any laurels yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy about it. And uh, yeah, come along. I'd love to see people there. But for God's sake, do not mention the little secrets. So that's John Kerns. Thank you so much. You've been really fucking brilliant. I hope you have a wonderful day. Good day.
Thank you for having me. So that was episode 231. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and videos with John. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. My neighbour Maureen likes reading it and it'd be a very nice thing to do for her and God knows she deserves a laugh in these dark times. Thank you all for listening. I really hope you're all well. Thank you to John for giving me his time. Go see his stand-up show on tour now. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for a stellar guest. So that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.